0: Aging, Performance, and Health by Lon Kilgore, December 28, 2016. So Lon's a, an academic who's been closely associated with CrossFit. He wrote Starting Strength with Mark Rippetoe, and uh, Practical Programming back in the day. Fantastic individual and has an article that we're reviewing right now about how our fitness is affected or what we can expect as we get older. I felt really, I read this article and I was like, I feel like it condenses down very easily to the idea of, you know, get as fit as you can. And this is this is the buffer of fitness uh, to sickness that we talk about in the level one. This idea that the fitter you get, the more of a buffer you have against uh, poor quality of life and being sick. And essentially, that's where I read this article to be. But let me move through it. I found it a little challenging after I'd read it and oversimplified it in my head to then extract any bits that might be accessible in the in the level three context. So when I revisited it, because I was, uh, I was sort of procrastinating on this podcast, I just went through it segment by segment. So the article starts off with the postured, postured question, how much should I be lifting? Client says to the, uh, the individual, and fire right, isn't that the funniest thing that you hear on a regular basis? Is that good? Like maybe the fact that you just hit 10 calories in a minute on the assault bite could be the world record and this person's hoping that they're, they're crushing it. Now, maybe that's what they're inquiring about, but maybe they're just trying to get a gauge of where they sit in relation to the rest of the athletic population. And that's what this article sort of touches on. Standards, you know, these, this idea in CrossFit is that we, uh, we like things of data-driven that are measurable, observable, and are repeatable. And so even an individual data point, which is often very useless because data is best compared against the same data, so your effort is best compared against your effort. In CrossFit, we we love the idea of competing because competing lets us push ourselves to a higher level of intensity. And if we're competing against standards, from the very, very start, we can aim to go a little harder than perhaps we would have given that um, absence of data. So Long Kilgore talks about the idea that stand or standards should be specific. You know, again, best, best data you have is your data, comparing you against you last week or you last year. But when we're talking standards, it's usually generalized across age, sex, um, training age, and the type of training that you're doing, the mode. There's not a lot of authorities on that and there's limited data sets in the literature. So if someone does say, how much should I be lifting or what's a good time for this? We're often limited to anecdotal stuff. Maybe you've seen similar style athletes in the gym do back squats. So you think this person could emulate their performance. Maybe you got data on something like Beyond the Whiteboard or Whatify, so you can look at the percentiles and say, hey, for your age group and gender, this is what a good time is. And ultimately those are just further tools to help us train people. The next thing that Lon moves on to discuss is the idea that in paying populations, the largest group is masters. These, these 30s and overs or 35s and overs for, for masters. It's a huge group and there's still a huge lot of variance there. You know, decade by decade, there's five different groups if you talk about 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and then 80s. Six groups. Um, And they're going to know what they can expect. And this leads into his analysis of world record uh, performances by age. And he uses the world record performances in a number of different categories to determine the the performance loss or estimate the performance loss that somebody could expect uh, if we were perhaps using different age group data. We could see what the performance loss is as somebody is fifty when comparing themselves to a 30-year-old's data. Or just how someone can expect to lose capacity as they move through their life cycle. It's it's fascinating because he eventually moves to it in a figure that shows the fitter you get, the more you have to lose. But even at the point where you've lost a heap of fitness you still have more capacity, definitely more capacity than somebody who's lost the same amount of fitness. So two 50-year-olds, one who's very, very fit and one who's not very fit, as they transition to 60-year-old, 60, 60 years old are going to lose fitness. But if you consider the, uh, the diagram and hopefully you're reading through these, figure, point, figure three, the elite athlete that goes from 30 years old 70 year old, 70 years old, if you drag their line across, their 70 year old capacity is higher than the 30 year old intermediate athlete. That's pretty impressive. And you can do the same thing. You go, all right, well, not everyone's going to be elite. In fact, when Kilgore looks to map out how, much, uh, how many people exist in each sort of percentage or location, 25% are inactive, 40% are just active. 20% are novice athletes, 10% intermediate athletes, 4% advanced athletes, and 1% elite. And, and as much as not everyone is going to get to be elite, he makes a good point that you don't need to be elite to get the, the life-changing effects of fitness on, on either your health, your all-cause all mortality, or your um, quality of life. Let me quickly jump to all-cause mortality, I sort of loved this concept when I heard it back at university. But the idea of all-cause mortality is statistically, regardless of what causes someone to die, people who are inactive have the highest risk of death from all causes. And, and that's fantastic when we talk about our industry being the delivery of exercise, that activity level increasing regu- reduces the incidence of death regardless of its cause. Fascinating stuff. Anyway, so if I use the slope and a little uh, horizontal mark, if your elite athlete goes from being thirty-year-old to seventy-year-old, they're still going to have almost the same capacity as a intermediate thirty-year-old athlete. Solid, phenomenal. Now, if you go, well, I'm never going to get to elite at thirty. Perhaps I can get to uh, advanced. You know, that top five percent of the population, and really, that's just sort of 10 years of training or five to 10 years of training. If you can get to there, then by the time you get to 70, a 70-year-old's 70 capacity still is about the same as a novice. And that's someone who's only been training for a couple of years. So if you at 30 years old, now I feel like I'm waffling, but my point is this. If you get as fit as you can possibly get, even when you lose fitness, the, the suggestion is you will have more fitness than somebody who hasn't done that work even if they're much younger, phenomenal. And we see that in the gym. And and the point is made in this article that improvements can be made in any decade of the life. We've just gotta be cautious about how much expectation we put on people. You know, you're not gonna get as fit as the elite 18 year old, 20 year old, 30 year old. But by training and getting as fit as you can, you're gonna maintain a quality of life, reduce your chance of dying from all things and, Uh, increase your quality of life significantly if i push this uh to the end and have a look at the last part of this the uh, the other thing that he mentions is just if you need proof the crossfit games masters divisions are all the proof you could possibly require to suggest that or to um, confirm that people can get very very fit into the later stages of their life there's a whole lot of really interesting further analysis that that Lon Kilgore makes around the difference between uh, loss of, say, sprinting compared to loss of Olympic lifting, whether mobility has an effect on all-cause mortality. uh, Basically, just things that that are worth thinking about but haven't been researched to the point that we can put our finger on this is that. And and, um, decisively. I always like the idea... Uh, as a personal athlete, that I want to move move in such a way and train in such a way that I'm in with a chance at some of the masters games. Maybe it's 60s or 70s or 80s, and just do the war of attrition. That says the way that I'm training sets me up to still be training and still be able to compete well into my uh, well, well into my old age. Team, hopefully this was useful. It's a uh, it's an interesting article. I had to read this a number of times before I could sort of do this little review because. It's it's it seems like such a simple concept. Regardless of how old you are, get in the gym, do some training. Um, if you couple this, I've been listening to the varied, not random, podcast with uh, Pat Sherwood and Adrian Bosman, and they interviewed Michelle Moots, and the their big discussion point was the unserved population that crossfit hq did a program for you know directly attacking well not attacking but directly targeting um, people who wouldn't normally uh, choose a crossfit gym environment and they talk about people who are extremely overweight they've got a number of medical problems or they're really really old so they had you know 90 91 year olds i think three 91 year olds and the reality is that it doesn't really matter how you do crossfit the idea of constantly varied functional movements at an intensity that's high for you will increase your quality of life and, um, and reduce, your, reduce your risk of dying, regardless of when you kick it off. It, it's inspired me to try and work out how I can do one in the gym. Obviously, you've got to manage your, your timeline and your cash flow, but it, it's, the, the Boz made such a great analogy that says, the improvement that you can make in someone's fitness is, is comparable to giving somebody $10,000. $10,000 is no sh- small amount of money unless you already have lots and lots of money. But if you take someone who's got nothing and give them $10,000, you just change their life. And in the same way, you know, taking that person who's got a back squat of 180 kilos and tweaking it or spending a lot of time with them getting it to a 185 kilos is nowhere near as life-changing is taking that person who can't get up off their chair without assistance and teaching them how to you know, squat while holding onto a six kilo medicine ball. And as trainers, I guess we should be excited about our opportunity to, to genuinely change lives and save lives. Um, if I just teach people to exercise, as long as we're mindful of the um, upper limits, I guess, uh, when, when prescribing or suggesting expectations that people have, as that comes from the training. This one was a bit waffly. Hopefully the next one's a little better. Um, Don't be afraid to send me a message on Instagram or other social media if you like what's going on. And if I can help with anything in your study, please let me add it to the podcast. All right. See ya.